When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't, and we're here vibing with you because you are vibing with us. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing all right. Just got home from work. And as I'm driving home, basically pulling into my apartment complex, uh, get the alert on my phone that we had our next, no, the biggest trade so far of the trade deadline. It's what our we first coming? big trade. Trade Mageddon. It's our first big trade, trade Mageddon. Let's be upfront with this. Yeah. I can't get that. Ex- I can only get so excited for so long about Tyler Naquin. <laughs> well, Let's just jump right into it. The Seattle Mariners have acquired Luis Castillo, who most believe is the best or was the best pitcher available on the trade market. Um, You know, he missed. it, It seems like forever to go. But let's not forget when we talked with Charlie Goldsmith about the Reds, um, this was or prior to the season starting. Luis Castillo missed those first few weeks due to some kind of shoulder issue. Um, since he's debuted in May, he's worked really, really, really good. 2.86 ERA. Um, and let's not forget that the Reds ballpark is actually one of the more hitter-friendly parks 
uh, in the MLB. So, um, you know, 85 innings, 286 ERA, uh, 25.8% strikeout rate to a really good walk rate. Um, and this is the high end production that we've kind of come to expect out of him. Um, he's definitely, you know, as much as I'm really salty that the Yankees were unable to go and get him, you just have to look at like his last four seasons. And I find it hard to, you know, really come up with more than maybe four or five guys that when you put together their last four cumulative seasons, there's the, what the stats look like. I mean, Castillo has been good for a while now and Seattle LJ, they certainly, uh, the return that they gave the red certainly shows that. Is that right? Yeah. Why don't you go through that return before we really break sure. into this? So it's four prospects from two biggest ones are Noel V Marte, who according to Fangraphs, is the number 11 prospect in the MLB. According to MLB.com, is number 18, and Baseball America has him at 46, I believe. The other big-name prospect is Edwin Arroyo. So both Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo are infielders. And Edwin Arroyo checks in at number 93 on MLB.com's prospect rankings. Arroyo, only 18 years old. His ETA is not even till 2025. Well, Noel V. Marte is 20 years old. We could see him as early as next season, potentially um, in the MLB. The two other names, two right-handers, Levi Stout and Andrew Moore. Um, not much there. You know, it's, Levi Stout is the Mariners' number 10 prospect per Baseball America. Um, and then Moore, um, Andrew Moore, not to be confused with the Andrew Moore that used to play for the Mariners. Um, he was a 14th-round pick out of JUCO last year, and he's a pitcher. Um, just another interesting arm, I guess, for uh, – Cincinnati, but LJ, those two main infielders, both top 100 prospects, especially Noel V. Marte, top 20, according to a few sites. Um, take me through it. Um, well, first off, it is better than the original way I read that tr those tweets out because a lot of people, again, it kills me when you don't use first names because you're trying to get things out quickly. How easy is it to think that Dylan Moore was in this trade? There's just, there's just, yeah, last names in baseball are just way too common, especially when you get to someone like those and, you know, it's the whitest sport in the world. Like it's the whitest sport in the world, but also like you get the Hispanic names where, you know, there's just a, how the culture is. There's just a lot of people that share last names. So, you know, how many Rod Rodriguez is and uh, Cruz is and, you know, there stuff like that. There are three Cabreras in the league active right now. There is three players named Luis Garcia that are active in the league right now. Four Rodriguez's as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's a broader point. Yeah, first name, last name. You can even do last name, first name. And I wouldn't care with the comma. Just give me something. But 
this is interesting. I think it's debatable whether this is fair or not. Um, it's always yeah. too early to tell, always. Let's not act like, you know, I, I always love when you'll see a big trade break in the next day. Why the Seattle Mariners won this trade. It's like, all right, one of the guys is 18 years old. Like he could be, you know, the next Mike Trout for all we know. And he won't even be in the MLB for three years. So you really never know. It's years down the line until you can really figure it out. Yeah, I think the biggest, but the biggest win for this, I mean, not only get adding Luis Castillo mm. is definitely a win for Seattle, but the second biggest win very well might be the thing that they're all being criticized for, which is giving up their number one prospect, their top prospect, the guy who is 11th on fan, you said 11th on fan graphs. Yep. Um, where else was he? 18 on MLB.com. And where was yep. the other one? 47 on Baseball America. So just to put it simply, he's a highly regarded prospect. That's that's almost too simply, though, because there's a lot of highly regarded prospects. What those rankings are showing me is there is a lot of debate in terms of how good this guy actually is. Like, with the majority of these players on these prospect licks lists it's pretty consistent you're talking about within five for most of these guys this is a lot of jumping around for noel v Marte, and then to see this guy have a 2023 eta stuck on him still and yet he hasn't reached the upper minors yes he's doing well in high a but if seattle hasn't felt comfortable enough to give him the position and give him the reps on a higher level then what does that exactly say about his development? I think this might have been the sell high opportunity that they needed for a Noel V. Marte so that they don't have they don't see a diminished return when if this guy maybe doesn't pan out down the line. That's that's not clearly that's not why you would trade him. You don't trade a guy just to trade him, and you wouldn't trade him for a, a guy who you didn't think was worth it. Like you're not gonna trade. Like he wouldn't be in that um, Tyler Naquin deal. Like, you know what I mean? You're not going to just toss him away for the first thing that comes. But if you can get a good player and you have to give him up, if you're not sure on him, then I'm going to be much more willing to give him up unless I was truly, truly sure on the guy. The other thing is we can't act like J.P. Crawford hasn't – yes, he's cooled down since the start of the season – but he's been very good this year. Excellent. He's an excellent player last year too. So it's not like the, the position was opening up right away for this team. And ultimately the other guys, it's a little too hard to tell at this point, but particularly on the Noel V. Marte side, which everyone else is going to comment. I don't have an issue with them giving him up for this. The one thing I do find interesting about it, though, is the kind of, you know, it very much flip flops on the mentality of this team, which has been largely, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to, yes, we're going to spend to get this rotation. I mean, think Robbie Ray, think Yusei Kikuchi, think um, Chris Flexen, um, all these guys that they've gone out in the last couple of years and signed paid the money to go get quality 
starters. Meanwhile, we're going to let the homegrown guys come in and fill out this roster. You trade away a top-level infield prospect. That kind of counters your actual plans for filling the biggest need on your team, which is your offense. You're 23rd in runs scored this year. That's not going to get the job done come the postseason. So does this mean that we're going to start to see a little bit more investment into the into the lineup proper. I'm not hundred percent sure. I just think that's, it's a spot that needs to be explored and needs to be acknowledged. The fact that they've added another piece that could theoretically be in this rotation for another four or five years. If they pay him the money that, that, that they traded away to give him. I mean, you don't trade that to not sign a guy, but that's not the point here. Either way, you've got, Guys like George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, um, and either Flex and or Gonzalez easily can keep themselves in that rotation and still be very, very good starters. Having that group for the next several years isn't something anyone's going to complain about. Matt Brash, being- too. Yep. Matt Brash, who's a top 100 prospect. And with both Brash as well as I mean, particularly Kirby, I'm high on for this, in this scenario, have a lot of room to grow and a lot of room to keep getting better. So you should feel like you're in a very good place with your pitching staff as a whole. That bullpen is really, really solid. Now you have to start making those steps towards the lineup. When does that start happening? I'm not really sure. And what that looks like, I don't know other than maybe Rafi Devers. Well, certainly very good for Seattle to go out and get um, Luis Castillo. And we'll see how it plays out for them as they currently sit 12 games back from the Astros um, in the AL West, but are seven games over 500 um, at 54 and 47. And, According to Fangraphs, 75% chance to make the playoffs. So now, uh, Brandon, I don't want to like pry poke at it. And this isn't me trying to make fun of the Yankees, but that's definitely a conversation that needs to be had because this is the top contender and they lost out on the top pitching candidate available. Yeah. Now, now, of course, you're going to Frankie. I'm assuming you're going to Frankie Montas, but there's certainly plenty of other guys in this pitcher's market that you could go out and, or seller's market that you can go out and get. A lot of teams are going to be a lot more open to it than they probably should be. But you were saying before that the Yankees didn't even give the second best offer on Castillo? According to John Heyman, which is quite the way to always start a sentence. Um, text. Okay, sorry, it wasn't John Heyman. Mark Feinstein of MLB.com tweets, 12 teams were in contact with the Reds about Castillo and suggests the Yankees' offer was somewhat close to the quality of Seattle's. Ken Rosenthal indicates Texas made a very strong push as well. In the end, Mariners put the the best offer on the table. Um, One other thing I realized here quick, and then I'll answer your question, Second blockbuster trade between these two teams in less than 
since the start of the season? Um, Jesse I mean, Winters, no, no, no pushover. No. Again, it hasn't worked out to be as blockbustery on either the Suarez side or the Winker side as we'd hoped it would be. But, yeah, this is two big, big significant trades from these two sides. It's, and, not as and, bad, it's not as bad as the Mets and Cup and Pirates making two trades in the span of two days, not just saving everybody the time by putting it together. Well, the other names that I think the Yankees could potentially go after in terms of pitching – Frankie Montas of the A's. Um, if the Reds keep selling their pitchers, then Tyler Molly, I would like to see us go after. Um, as much as I, it hates me to say it, you know, I think like, is Noah Syndergaard going to be the best rental starter this summer? Because there's no one else that's a rental that has a chance to get traded. Um, well, how many years does Montas have left? He has a, he has arbitration. I know. Um, Jose Quintana would be interesting. Jose Quintana is going to be, or Drew Smiley, Drew Smiley, either of those. Yvaldi will be available. Perez will be available as we talked about or tried to really talk about. We didn't for a Martin Perez trade market look in yesterday. We we talked a shockingly lot, little about Martin Perez. Um, but, yeah, I think those three guys are definitely in the mix. I've got one more for you. Who? Um, Carlos Rodon, he hit his innings threshold so he can opt out after this year. And there's no way that he's only worth $22 million next year after these last two seasons. That's your best rental starter right there. Cause he's, if he gets traded, Giants have no reason to keep contending at this point. I mean, they're under 500. They could get quite the return for Rodon. I actually think it would be better than, than what you think. Farhan Zahadi is, is, I, in my opinion, top five GM, at least in the MLB. Um, I don't say that lightly, but. I think Carlos Rodon could be an interesting name just because I'm almost certain he's going to opt out now that he hit his innings threshold and his pitch so well. Yeah, and at the end of the day, for a lot of these teams, it's not there are very few teams that it, where it feels like their window is closing immediately. Like, who do you really see in this? Who do you see of the contenders that has to win this year or bust? The Giants, like, yeah, they're so old. (laughs) My point being, there's a lot of teams that can, if they want to, go after a guy with a couple years Mm. and not necessarily have to worry about breaking the bank because by the time they need it, they're going to be, it'll be a while. I think it's. I just think it's more interesting this year that there's the lack of rentals, like you know, normally you do have. You're right, a much larger pool of guys who will be leaving after the season. You're going to pay a smaller amount, and you're going to be able to get this guy to help you in your postseason push. That's not what this year's about. This year's about these multi-year guys. It's about the Castillo. It's about the Montas. It's about the Plesac. 
Zach Plezak's been, I don't know. I feel like he's been quiet, but also like a little too noisy at the same time because Guardians aren't going to get rid of him. I don't think, because I think the Guardians think that they have a chance to make the playoffs. They do. But again, this is the same scenario where Houston is also willing to go and look at moving their starters. That's how good this market is. We just debated about whether they gave up, Seattle gave up too much for Luis Castillo. That sets the market right there. And if that's the market you're getting into, you know, I wouldn't mind to be the team that's going to have three years of service time left on a guy and trying to ship him out. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. I mean, of course, you're right. They do have a very, a very good chance to get into the playoffs right now. But, you know, you got to take the best baseball move at the end of the day. If that's moving on from the guy and it makes your organization that much stronger, then you got to be willing to take that risk. Especially seeing the Phillies are probably crazy enough to go out and just overpay obscenely for this guy. Am I wrong? It's Dave Dombrowski. So, I mean, LJ, this man's rocking a $233 million payroll this year. He was able to increase it by $36 million in one year of him getting there. It's incredible what, it, what he can do. More importantly, he only has two top 100 prospects remaining. <laughs> that is too, too many for this man. Wait, ready? We have the checklist. Sign good hitters with no defensive ability. Check. Check. Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. Have no prospects. Check. Have, have no in- prospects because you go out and you you fail to fill your, your holes every year at the deadline. And then increase your payroll like a ridiculous amount because, hey, guys, having a higher payroll means you're going to win more games, right, LJ? Right? Oh, What's Ian Kennedy doing this year? I haven't thought about him in a very long time. I think he's hurt. He's pitched 31 innings for the Diamondbacks, 3-4-5 ERA. So is he not hurt right now? Was he hurt? At, he was hurt at some point. He had to have been because I swear, Diamondbacks about half a season. Yeah. Mark Melanson, who LJ just absolutely hates, is actually that ERA is. I just don't think you can be that much of a contact pitcher and be a closer. Okay, well, that four six seven ERA is not at all indicative of what he's done. Um, I think this year, but who knows. Diamondbacks rotation is still holding up strong. I mean, Merrill Kelly's having a great year. Zach Gallen is finally having the year we thought he could. There's 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 a lot to like here. But now, LJ- this is killing me. I feel like I should be able to. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's just really bugging me now that oh, I've kind of established it. Um, who was the other guy in that Texas trade? Because I think this is also indicative of Dave Dombrowski because they gave up quite a bit. It was Ian Kennedy. And who was the starter's name? Um, he was the best starter uh-huh. on Texas last year. And then he got traded to Philly with Ian. Kennedy. Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson. Thank you. What's going on with him? I haven't, I haven't heard from him all year. I can't even remember his name. 
this is part of the problem for these Dave Dombrowski teams. Or really it's actually having an okay year. These hyper um and okay. okay and an emphasis on okay. He is he is just okay. He is he I don't I would say he's below okay. I mean that isn't 89 ERA plus. Wait, but now I want to see what happened to Spencer Howard. Spencer the, Howard, that's the one thing I'm going to give him credit for. He sucks. Is, he's, he's terrible. He's really, really bad. He's really bad. Like he is not, he is not a major league pitcher, and you got out of that whole mess before anyone realized that. But they still gave up a f- more than a fair amount in that deal with relatively little to show for it. So little to show for it that we can't even remember the names or the places that the guys are currently playing of the guys that were in your, on your team. It doesn't matter if Spencer Howard throws a bat finder. It's just, you gave, you give up a lot and then it ends up being completely inconsequential of trades. And especially, especially considering, you know, Ian Kennedy goes in, looks terrible for Philly last year. And then leaves that this last winter. This is further proving that he can't fill the hole that's desperately needed. That's been the one spot that, you know, I can't help but think how much different things would be if they had been able to shore up this bullpen three years ago. Yeah, let me just say, really good friends with a Phillies fan. I see him at the track quite a bit um he is unraveling at this point to say the least because he knows that they have a chance to make the playoffs but he just he's like with this roster we would have the worst roster out of any playoff team even if we get like you know it's just quite simply this is the most this could be the most painful playoff push anyone's ever seen. Who are you more confident in the Phillies or the White Sox? Cause the White Sox have gotten a little hot, <laughs> which is sad, but they have. I don't know because I guess the Phillies, cause if you catch the Phillies at the right time, like they're more likely to get hot. That's what they do. Yeah, but that White Sox to... rotation. Oh, in the playoffs, baby. What? The White Sox rotation, though. Once Lance Lynn gets 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 back to whatever, you know, I'm going to give him 50 innings to get worked into the season. Is that enough, LJ? <laughs> Wait, 50 more innings or 50 total? I think 50 total because he's at 42. I would yeah. hope I'm not going to give him another 50 or else I'm waiting way too long. That's starting to sound like me with Jonathan Mawaisiga. I'm just waiting. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, just it'll be all right. And it's just game after game where it's like, oh, like maybe he's not. The guy we haven't talked about enough is Johnny Cueto. What a man. He's got a 289 through 81 innings this year and just, you know, he knew Everyone teams were going to call him. That's why he didn't retire. Like someone asked him, they're like, why didn't you retire? He's like, well, because I knew I could still pitch. And also like I knew teams would call me because they want me. What a beast. Yeah. And it's, it's just so weird because of the way the market played out this year. You know, you give, 
you, you overpay John Gray and it really ruins everything because there's no reason that Johnny Cueto didn't have a major league contract to start the year. I don't think anyone in baseball really doubted the fact that he was worthwhile and that he'd be on the team. I don't get what he did wrong with the Giants last year, like other than not they didn't, want to, they didn't want to pay him a major league salary for who knows. Yeah, but then like the Dodgers going and giving Andrew Heaney $8 million and then it's like, you got Johnny Cueto here who's picked really well this year. Um, yeah, you know. But LJ, to end the show, did we want to talk about uh, yeah, a, a lot of pitching today, but this potential extension that or is at least what we think very close to getting done with the Padres? Um, go for it. Joe Musgrove of San Diego, a guy that the day – go listen to the podcast. The day the Padres traded for Joe Musgrove, I told everyone he would be the best pitcher out of Snell, Darvish, and himself um, for that Padres big three. He is nearing a five-year, roughly $100 million contract extension with San Diego – um, LJ, what, what else can we say about Joe, Joe Musgrove on the Padres other than this is just a completely different guy than what we saw in Pittsburgh and he was good in Pittsburgh, but now that he's on this big stage, um, I love watching him pitch. He's just really fun to watch. Does a great job, um, getting himself out of jams. You know, you're talking about, a 78% left on base percentage um, for him, which is outstanding and has not allowed like really any home runs this year compared to the years past. I'm just so impressed with what I've seen out of him and another piece for the Padres to just kind of secure for the next few years. Um, I'm all over it. Yeah. Fantastic. It's a, it's a fantastic move. It makes sense because you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to replicate what he does. Not for that price a few years from now when you realize you probably should have made this deal in the beginning with. Well, weren't we talking about inflation with this stuff a couple of days ago? Yeah, like we will, like, at least for the reason why it would make sense for someone like Xander Bogart. Well, like Xander Bogart's already super underpaid, but just for these guys to backload their contracts and how, um, because of inflation, it only makes sense that the luxury tax is going to go up every year for the next five or six years. Uh, so players will just be getting paid more anyways, which, you know, if you're Juan Soto, you honestly could wait until the off season. And that might be your best chance to get that half a bill, but who knows? Um, but LJ, it's funny. Cause how about our, you know, we have, in our in our fantasy football group chat some people that are brewers fans and they 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 like baseball but they don't fully understand you know all the inner workings of the economic part and when they when one of the kids heard about the the padres potentially trading for and then extending soto he's like how could a team have three big contracts on it at once and i think i responded and said it's basically like if the owner wants to pay $500 million, uh, he's allowed to, and no one can stop him. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's all about is it worth it too? Like, you know, for me, there's this. It's an upper level guy who I'm going to give that big time money to to be the third guy with the big time money to go over the luxury tax, right? Yeah, if you're going over the luxury tax to sign a third big contract, because once you have three big contracts, that's pretty much guaranteeing that you're going to be over the luxury tax for the entirety of the time that you have all three of those guys. Mm-hmm. There's maybe 10 players in the league that that's worth it for, you'd think. It's the young stud superstars, right? If you're or, a guy like, or a guy like Scherzer, who we saw with the Mets last year. Yeah. Exactly, but that that's a little different in the on the pitching side. But okay, yeah. If if we're talking strictly hitters, I, I think you could even come up with a list of less than ten where you would really want to to go over because the luxury tax penalties are not light to say the least, no. especially after the the CBA agreement. But yeah, no, LJ, it's a great point. It's like, if you're going to go over the luxury tax and incur these penalties, and we see all the crazy stuff teams do to just stay under it, to reset their their tax number or whatever, if you're going to do all that, you better be doing it for a good player and not, uh, LJ, I forget the example that you used when you sent that text the other day, but it was it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, what was I saying? You said that, like, it makes sense to go over for Max Scherzer, but not for um, someone. Oh, like- yeah. So, like, you, if you're or the John, Mets, Okay, you it was John Gray. It was John Gray. It was, it was John Gray, yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, you've got, you've got a clear hole, and you need to fill that hole. But is going for a good fit for that hole worth going over the luxury tax? No. It doesn't even have to be luxury tax. Let's let's throw luxury tax out the window. How about just what your budget is supposed to be for your team? Just going over budget yeah. for a guy like John Gray, it never made sense. It never made sense yeah. for the Rangers. I mean, they increased their payroll by so much, and now you've got all three of those big contracts on your books through 2025. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's um, that's that. But anything else? I'm gonna refresh MLB trade rumors one last time. Yeah, nothing. Um, LJ, till tomorrow, we have. Let's see, what three days? No, trade deadline is Tuesday. Yeah, four full days still left of trade mageddon and then lj it's actually one of my favorite times of the year once we get past the trade deadline because last year especially at least on the show we spent about three weeks breaking down every award it's award season now lj we gotta finally start talking about this mvp race this cy young race because there's a lot of these races that i was i was just I was just barely looking into it yesterday, not doing any defender research, just very lightly looking into it. It these seem a lot closer than last year. Um, and I think we have another NL Cy Young race very similar to last year's as well, where someone just could come out of nowhere. Cause um, or sorry, like AL Cy Young race, but um in the NL, because Robbie Ray really came out of nowhere last year. I mean, at this point last year. Were we talking about Robbie Ray to win the Cy Young? Like not Robbie a chance. Way. Not a chance, right? No. 
Love it. It's a great thing. Well, thank you for listening. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And we'll see you. See you manana.